0: Welcome and thank you for joining me here on the DASH Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage and joining me today is Mr. Eric Pryor. He's an instructional coach for math and science in Guilford County Schools, and he was so kind to join in to the DASH Podcast today and share with us some of his best instructional practices. Now, as you know, every decision counts. Eight Lessons I Wish They Taught Me In School is available now on TreyGammage.com, amazon barnes and noble and everything in between so make sure you get your copy of this social and emotional learning workbook for your students for your brother your sister your classroom or interventions we can't wait to continue sharing this story about how to make every decision count and with that said i want to roll right into this interview with mr Pryor and get to rolling about these instructional practices how are you doing today sir i'm doing well sir thank you for asking pleasure to be here Yes, likewise, likewise. It's always um, important, I think, to look at both sides of the report card, if you will. Uh I I know you're focused on the instructional delivery. I was never a very good academic student myself, at least not until college. So I like to focus on the other side of the report card being behavior, social and emotional learning, developing Uh those professional and those communicative communication skills, how do some of those skills translate to your work as an instructional coach?
1: Well, one of the things that we've been stressing a lot within, it's not just Guilford County Schools, but my school building in general, is uh, the importance of curriculum over content. Um, Hmm. Generally, a lot of times what you're seeing in classrooms is you will have a teacher, they're just trying to make it, whether it's that 45 minute, um, you know, longer schedule or a 90 minute block, And they're just trying to find some fillers. And that's not working for a lot of our children in education. Mm -hmm. Um, If we're going to get any type of success out of our students and they're going to get what they need out of the classroom, you have to teach what the curriculum is stating. Mm -hmm. Um, And one thing that I find within um, teaching the curriculum, because before you can even get to the curriculum, that's where the social and emotional component comes in. Um, A lot of the problems that you see in education that you see in the school building are community problems. So you can't expect to ameliorate some of the problems just by reading, writing, and arithmetic. You got to go into what's going on with the kids at home and also how they are best going to learn in your environment. So that might be um, just something as simple as your expectations. It might be something mm-hmm. as simple as you developing a proper relationship with, with students. And so we do some things within our professional development sessions within uh, my school building where we try to build those different things. For instance, we had a, uh, a PD that dealt with trauma. Um, mm-hmm. We talked about what is the, uh, the brain that, that is uh, subject to poverty look like. And I, I use it as a segue to talk about trauma um because that's one of the things that i believe social emotional learning is addressing now and it's is drastically needed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So when you're when you think about starting a new school year as instructional coach, how many teachers uh, are you coaching?
1: Uh, we're coaching about we're, we're right at a, a close to 120 teachers wow. in wow. our building.
0: Wow. Um, grade so, level.
1: Yeah, um, from 9th through
0: 12th. Okay. Okay. Um,
1: so it's, it's, so you're seeing different levels of development with the students that they're teaching, but yeah. they're having some of the same community problems, which is the big thing. Yeah. Um, so you can't address that by the different levels for, for, say, for instance, if you have, you're dealing with a 14 year old or that student that's getting ready to walk out of the building as a senior. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you also have some students that might be older due to, you know, having some issues as they were going through their educational journey. Yeah. So the, all of those things you have to take into consideration when you're when you're doing some of those professional developments and addressing teachers as
0: well as students. for sure. So. So where do you start as an instructional coach? Like you said, you have to get to some of the SEL pieces in behavior before you get to curriculum. So when does your year kind of start over? Is it during in-service or is it at the, in the first fall, the couple of weeks? Where do you start when it comes to instructional practices? And is it a um, teacher by teacher basis or like a grade by grade? How do, you, how do you structure being able to support your teachers and all those students? Well, what,
1: how how myself and I have a colleague that works with me also because I do the math and science and then have a colleague that does like your social studies, English, mm-hmm. and some of your other um, curricular areas. And what we usually do is we focus at the start of the year, that fall semester, we really want to make sure that our new teachers get in the door well. So I'm going into those classrooms a lot. I'm looking at not only their classrooms, but sometimes I'm circulating into some of the classrooms around, around them as mm. well to see what some of the curricular trends are. Um, what some of the biggest things, as we kind of mentioned in the kind of, you want to call it a pre-interview or a quick discussion before we got started. Um, one of the things I see with new teachers a lot of times is the time management issue, classroom management. So anything dealing with management is usually what our teachers are kind of struggling with. Mm. They always come in knowing content. And so because of that, we try to focus on more of those soft skills, so to speak. So social emotional, again, would fit into some of those components. Because one thing that I'm finding is in a lot of your, your higher ed programs, they are not dealing with the intangibles that kids mm. are bringing into the classroom.
0: Mm. So
1: you might see it sometimes <laughs> in some forms, but more, more often not, they're focused on the hardcore content. And so we yep. have teachers that come in that know that. And then of course you have lateral entry teachers that know content very well but they may not know how to correspond with the kids. So mm. that's what we work on starting out.
0: Wow. So, so do you guys also have, you have your mm-hmm. instructional coach, do you have behavior coaches or SEL coaches that also help support the other end?
1: Our district actually started doing, we have a SEL, I don't know if you want to call it the department, but it's a lot of, uh, I know one particular individual is a former CFS like myself. Um, one of our counselors at our school actually is, is aligned with that, and then there's a couple other counselors mm-hmm. that, that are with that. I think they also have a liaison that is structured in each school um, for specifically for social and emotional learning. So when we okay. have, uh, for instance, I'll have a, a curriculum facilitator meeting, um, they'll open up and give us some strategies to incorporate within our building um also we have other um resources uh, because we are a title one school so it, it kind of opens us up to have a couple things so we have a cis a community and schools coordinator which helps mm-hmm. um of course our social worker works real well with that we have dropout prevention so we have a lot of things to support the social and emotional aspect of students in, in the classroom and then you know of course our door is always open to aid teachers, and and I'm always open to teachers that say, "Hey, I just I'm struggling with this particular area in the classroom. Can you come and help me out?" And usually, probably about eight to nine times out of ten, it's not a curricular issue. It's mm-hmm. something dealing with social and emotional learning.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So it, that that you that was a beautiful illustration and breakdown. It's exciting to hear that your district is taking such a lead role in having these SEL programs. And I noticed, you know, just in my research over the past couple of years, the SEL trend kind of started in the 80s, but it's, it's becoming more normative now. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. about 10 years ago, the, the big trends were diversity, equity, inclusion. Now those are staples. Every organization has that department. And I think SEL is the the next piece that's coming. When you think about your school and even your district, do you see a correlation between your academic success and your behavior incidents?
1: Um, I I do because if if the behavioral incidents are high, usually our performance is low. Those areas where we take a hit in terms of testing everybody that we're supposed to test, especially students that may have some type of learning disability, classified as EC, um, classified in um, one of those um, demographics that we need to test, usually if we have not addressed the social emotional component or it is not being addressed, they are either not testing or they're testing poorly.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: So there is there is a correlation there.
0: Right. And, and and that's that's good. So you and you have those practices. Well, that's not good. I guess I should say uh, if the, if the data is not good, that is. So you do you feel like you guys have the appropriate support systems at your school to support your students?
1: I think we're working on it. I'm not going to say everything is in, in line, but I think because we are identifying many of the problems, that's a good first step. And I think the more that, because you, you mentioned that, more people are on board with addressing some of the social, emotional components in the classroom. So it's a good first step. I'm not going to say that we have everything because um, I don't think there's there's ever any one solution because like I said, social, emotional is one very important component then yes, you do have the diversity and equity issues because there's still people that, that feel that it's not an issue within um, our building and, and our school district. Mm. You know? And so until you address those, sometimes you can't get into the social and emotional aspects of learning because we're, we're dealing with a climate that's, it's sad to say, where you may have a lot of people and even some that are, that are listening to this podcast that think that the problem is uh, just getting kids to perform better with the assumption that students are coming in on grade level. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our students have not received grade level work. They have not been nurtured from the time they were in elementary school going into middle. Of course, I'm in high school. And so w- by the time they get to us, a lot of them have already checked out. So that is something that you have to address then at the high school level. So that's not, a, that's not just a curricular thing. Yes, you have to do some things to get them back on grade level, but you also have to address that. Okay. There are people here that care for you. I, I remember um, just to give you a quick anecdotal story um, just before we went out on break, um, I was talking with a young man and I was actually telling him it was me and it was, a uh, um, three other african-american males and i was telling them i said y- this is you may not get this level of nurturing again at another level mm-hmm. as an african-american male in education so if you see somebody that looks like you and it's more and as a matter of fact if it's more than one person and we're trying to give you information we're trying to give you care and give you an outlet because gentleman, he was having a rough time he was very emotional and i took i just took time with him i had the time to take with him and um and because of that interaction, he was like, oh, wow, this one first off, it wasn't my first interaction. And then second, it was like, oh, you're right. I'm not going to be able to just showcase this type of behavior and get away with it away mm-hmm. from this building. So letting students know, hey, even though you're a senior, hey, this is this is the reality of it. This is where the social and emotional component of learning. And, and yeah. right now, that component I'm seeing um, many times it's, it's happening, of course, in your predominantly black schools where somebody might look like you or maybe in your predominantly white schools where, where all the students might look alike and look like the, the teacher demographic. What? But what, where, we're, where the gaps are right now is where someone doesn't look like you and you still mm-hmm. get that a level of care. Mm -hmm. the purpose and the reason for some of these uh, social emotional learning programs?
0: I, I love that. Absolutely love that. There was a guest on the show, Brian Chris Reese. He's down in Atlanta and he talked about similar to what you said, how it's it's curriculum that drives instruction, not the content. And he took it a step further and said, your culture has to drive the instruction. If you are a teacher, if I'm a white teacher teaching to a class of 20 black students, I've got to be able to immerse myself in that culture or Mm. connect with with the culture and teach my information in a way that's going to connect with who they are. And and it goes both ways. So, yes, Mm. I need to learn my students. Where do they come from? How are they growing up? What's their neighborhood like? But I also want to break down their barriers with me because sometimes our kids don't realize that their teachers are actually people. And as the teacher, you've got to be able to say, hey yeah i'm white or or yeah i'm black or whatever the case is but this is my life story and i think what kids can appreciate the most and even in high school i know they're more adolescent or adult they appreciate and they can feel authenticity if you're fake if you are are not being true to yourself and you're only going to teach out of that book they can feel it they can read it they can smell it and they won't engage with it
1: yeah because at the end of the day kids are kids you know sometimes we um we take it for granted just because they're in grown up bodies that they got it all together, that they're thinking like adults. And um, mm-hmm. I think just any, anything that we can have that causes you to take a step back and remember, we're teaching kids. I, I deal with, um, with some of the teachers that I talk to and some that are having issues in the classroom. It's almost as if they've forgotten that element of you're the adult in the classroom and you're dealing with kids. Yeah. you know, and and they're they're not going to make all the all the best decisions. They're not going to, you know, as they say dot every i and cross every t as it relates to their behavior. So you have to guide them. You have to teach them and you have to mm-hmm. set the groundwork for how things are going are going to be within your classroom. Mm-hmm. And speaking to what you just mentioned, there has to be a valid interest that you take in your your students and yeah. how they learn yeah. and what they're learning. And and what the environment that they come from, because they're gonna bring all of that with them. And they don't know I don't I, I, they don't know how to separate one or the yeah. other. It's just this is me all the time because that's <laughs> just how this generation is coming up.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I think you know, it's important to note as well that just as they as they are coming up and they are having those conversations, a lot of times it's their first time learning this lesson or or hearing this feedback or doing this thing. I know that's more true in maybe third grade, fourth grade, when you're teaching a kid a lesson and they don't know to keep their hands to themselves. But like you mentioned with a student a moment ago, you know, there are certain ways that you talk to an elder that you don't talk to your friends. There's a certain time that you show up to class where you may not show up to your friend's house or a basketball game. And a lot of these lessons that we're teaching, even to kids that are 17, 18 years old, it's the first time that somebody's taken the time to deliver that message. So the way that you craft that and and take the time to deliver the message makes a huge difference. Because if you Mm -hmm. talk to a kid, like they're supposed to know these lessons, it's gonna go way over their head. And maybe you plant a seed, but it it might've been on that surface still and not deep enough to actually grow Mm -hmm.
1: And I think that's the game changer between those kids that are successful because they're getting those lessons, whether they're at home or through a mentor. And you can tell that they have had them successively I'm, I'm, a, I'm a parent myself I have two boys and I've noticed that it's not you know they may not get it the first time the second time it mm-hmm. is my responsibility to continually teach those lessons so if somebody is telling you or or has has already kind of led you into how you deal with a certain culture because um, the, the the issue that I dealt with with the young men that I mentioned it was about documenting things mm-hmm. you know, I said you can you could lose a lot of frustration Um, Just by documenting all of this whole incident that's going on and effectively addressing those things, because, you know, and I told him, hey, this is what what the law states about your schoolwork. And, you know, and so he was he was enlightened because of it. But the issue was it took him almost 20 minutes to calm down because Mm -hmm. he was trying to do it his way. And he was used to addressing, like you said, his elders in a certain way. Right, and so you know we have to come against almost what's going on at home and what's going on, and then also, as I said before, remember that we're dealing with kids, which can be difficult at times,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely and and you're you're so right. What have you learned about yourself during the process of in in your process of education?
1: um well, first and foremost, I guess my my educational journey started with me seeing the need for being a teacher mm. um, I started um, I was a graduate assistant my, my background in education well my background education was in chemical engineering um, and I had planned to be an engineer I was actually getting my master's degree in, in engineering and um, I remember I was a graduate assistant helping out some um, helping out some some young people they were sophomores at the time um, and there was some basic math that people had questions on and it really disturbed me it disturbed Mm -hmm. me so much that i I stayed up that night and i was like what is it i should be doing um so i I made the decision to look at education and i actually started out my educational journey as a lunch buddy at a local elementary school wow um, i was seeing uh this young man he was you know i'm not gonna say he was bullied or anything but he He was having some he was having some rough times. And I remember one time I I think I missed the day I had told him I wasn't going to be there the next day and he had forgotten. And um, he 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 felt like he was just kind of thrown away. And so I I, I Mm -hmm. learned the value of presence in education from him. Yeah. Uh from there, I had a mentor that helped me to get to the school where I'm at now. And so I've been there for this is my 17th year now. Wow! And um, the things that I've learned in education, one, first and foremost, the thing that helped me out the most is that kids are kids. They come with social histories, <laughs> uh, just like people, just like any other person. But but they're kids with, with sometimes very complex social histories. And that's helped me out. One of the things that I, I learned very early because I had a mentor and I was going, going to her all the time. She had over 30 years in education. Um, if I had some issue in the classroom, I'm like, hey, I need you to come and check out what I'm doing. And that's where I, I realized that I had some management issues within my classroom. And A lot of it was time management. As far mm-hmm. as the classroom management, I think I had that as much as a new teacher could have it. Uh, but the time management I had to work on and it was a lot about a, a lot about my routines And so I, I realized that students need need to be held to certain expectations Your right. expectations are based upon, you know, how your procedures are structured in your classroom And so I learned that and I take that now into a lot of my coaching and I see some of the same things that that kind of hindered me as an educator um, but the, the other component of knowing that students have a have a certain Social history helped me to go and look at cumulative folders and see, okay, what's been going on with this student? And I saw, started seeing some of the same trends as far as their test data. You had asked me the question about, you know, how, does, how, how do these particular issues affect um, how your data turns out? And that's one of the things I noticed. If a, if a student is having problems with getting your, your curriculum, it probably didn't just start in your class. It's yeah. probably some other areas. Yeah. Um, and so I would see certain spikes in their cumulative folders where grades would drop. Um, some, depending on which school district they came from, you would see certain behavioral incidents. And it is never tied directly to them just not being able to read correctly, or wow. unless they are already wow. identified with some type of learning disability. Um, it's usually because of something that has happened in their social history that has affected mm-hmm. them emotionally. And that's one of the biggest things that I learned. And so that's why I'm glad I had an opportunity to speak with you today.
0: Absolutely. Well, I think that's a that's a wonderful perspective that I, I have not you know, heard it explained that way before and thinking about it as student's social history. I mean, wow, like just that that paints such a vivid picture in my mind. And, and I can see um, I can see the experience of my childhood, you know, when mm-hmm. I think about a social history going to third and fourth grade, you know, I got suspended for fighting. I got suspended for um, doing some things I shouldn't have done. And um and I stole a chicken nugget before too and, mm-hmm. and you know I can I can look <laughs> back you know you can connect those dots to uh-huh. to other things that are going on until you're able to grow out of it so I, that that's huge um, Eric and, and understanding social history they absolutely have history not even not only in high school but I remember there was a boy I was doing a check in check out with him mm-hmm. a couple years ago now and he told me he was sad because his uncle had passed away. And I was like, wow, you know, well, tell me about your uncle. What did you, what did you enjoy about your uncle? And he said, well, you know, he used to bring us water so we can take Mm -hmm. a bath and and gallon jugs. And he used to bring us bread because we didn't have a stove. And Mm -hmm. for this little boy in fifth grade to sit in the classroom and learn after his uncle, who he valued so much for bread and water. Oh my goodness! Not not a Christmas present, not a new video game. No, my my uncle brought me bread and water so I could take a bath and have something to eat. I mean, though though that's a social history, right? Yeah, there. that's and that's those
1: and those are those are the types of things that we're we're dealing with in education. So if you have a problem out of a student, yes, you can look at just the behavior in and of itself, but that behavior comes from somewhere. You Absolutely. know, you have a lot of students that are sitting in classes and they're trying to save face all the time. You know, high school. Yeah middle school it's, it's a very interesting and awkward time mm-hmm. even for the kids that that seem to have it all together mm-hmm. you know and so all it takes is something very minute to disrupt you know something that that potentially has been you know good for them yeah. you know because it might be just one thing or one person that's holding it all together yeah. you know and we're dealing with a time now where you know parents they're, they're getting stricken with illnesses they're passing away you mm-hmm. have um, you have students getting sick with all types of different things, like serious illnesses, yeah. and so. And then um, you you couple that with a lot of the the extraneous things that are going on in communities that cause, like, your violence and gangs and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. You know, they're dealing with a lot a lot of complex social histories, and I like I, I like to say social history because I just had to come to that realization that that's what it is. Yeah, it's a complex social history.
0: Absolutely. So, Eric, how do you? How do you define your greatest successes in education? like what What does that mean for you? You've been in the game for seventeen years now. made a lot of impact to a lot of students. How are you defining your success at the end of the day?
1: Um, I, I I would go into what the the superintendent of Education had tried to do here, and I, I believe they might still be trying to do this but at one point they wanted to, to gauge the measure of the success of our education system based upon what students are doing after they get out of the presence of our public hmm. schools. So I, I think that's a better gauge of how students are doing um, in terms of uh, students that I've had a direct impact with. Um, I've had students that were valedictorians of their class um, i was looking actually on linkedin where we we hooked up at mm-hmm. um, i looked and saw that i had a student that had that has his doctorate and he is working doing some things with uh i, I want to say it was like thermo something it was something i couldn't even couldn't even pronounce and i'm a i got a chemical engineering background and so i was very proud of that i when i see kids at stores i've had kids when i'm going to eat with my wife and they stopped me and they were like mm. oh Mr. Pryor, it's like you remember me and I remember them and and they tell me how old they are and they have children. That's the greatest gauge of my success. And I've had a lot of accolades, a lot of different awards. I've been, um, you know, people have tapped me for certain uh, responsibilities and, and different things throughout my educational career thus far. But I think that is the biggest thing that warms my heart. And I think that's really what all educators strive for you mm-hmm. have someone that is no longer in your presence that can say i still remember what you taught me or i still remember a, a conversation that that we had that really provoked me and sparked me to do
0: better that's good right there that's good right there and i think your reputation precedes you you know just in our conversation i can tell your level of care for your kids you know and even being in the same district for 17 years that's a very long time you, you know the average time that a millennial today stays in the workplace is two years Mm -hmm. for one job
1: yeah two to three that sounds about right it's almost like an NFL career (laughs) (laughs)
0: enough long that's right (laughs) that's right well Eric man is there anything else that you want to share with the listeners of the dash podcast and uh, wrap this thing up we've got a lot of phenomenal information and just want to make sure that there's anything else that you want to say and how we can find you before we go um, I, I think the,
1: the social component, as we said before, the social and emotional component is, is key and vital to some of the things that we're trying to do with equity within our schools. And until we really address those two components and we have a respect for where students are coming from and some of the problems that they're experiencing, both socially and also emotionally, mm-hmm. um, we really are not going to get to equity in schools you'll, you'll continue to see unfairness in the way that education is dealt especially to as we would consider the least of those that, wow. that are in our education system so i just wanted to leave the, the
0: the listeners with that thank you sir thank you sir and where can we find you at on social media or email? Uh, um
1: you you can i'm i'm you can you can catch me at uh, uh gcsnc.com if you look at dudley high school i'm usually there um you can check out my um my facebook page eric g Pryor, and that's generally where i am and i'll probably get some things going for the new year
0: so all right i like it i love it i want some more of it thank you so much (laughs) thank you thank you very much eric for joining us and thank you for listening today to the dash podcast of course you can always go to tradegamers.com to buy and purchase your copy of Every Decision Counts, Eight Lessons I Wish They Taught Me in School. And you can go ahead and click around the shop page and learn about our five-step SEL implementation process. I can't wait to see you again, and I hope you enjoyed the show. This is The Dash.